You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Cell phones on silent if you could. I know that many of you here are on call. God bless you so much for being here and you can't turn your phone completely off. Some of you wish you could turn your phone completely off. Uh, I know the feeling, but I understand if some of you have to get out and go out um, if you're called somewhere, but everybody else, let's make sure that our cell phones are on silent. And again, I wanna keep things somewhat short, but I cannot promise that I'm gonna keep things light. Uh, this is a message that you need to hear. I've preached somewhat along these lines before, and, uh, but it's something that you need to hear again, and it's something that you need to hear often. It's three questions that I have for you. Um, I really don't have a title. You, if, if you think of one, you can think of one. Fantastic. But uh, three questions that I want to ask you from a story. A story about imminent judgment. And maybe you think that doesn't apply to us, and... That's one thing that I have struggled with as a preacher. As a preacher, I have about 30 seconds to a minute to convince you that what I am about to preach is needful. And many of us, especially in America, do not think about imminent judgment. We live very comfortable lives. The story that I'm about to tell you is a story about imminent judgment on a city named Sodom. Now, before we go any further, Every, every, anybody here not heard of the city of Sodom? Okay. Infamous. Infamous city. Known for really one thing. Known for homosexuality and lesbianism. But Ezekiel brings out four sins of Sodom. And I want to bring them to you. Ezekiel says this. This was the sin. And he's talking to Israel at this point, And he says, this was the sin of thy sister Sodom. Now, why call Sodom the sister of Israel? Why call Israel the sister of Sodom? You call someone sisters when they look alike. This was the sin of thy sister Sodom. I haven't even even opened the Bible and I'm out of the pulpit already. This is fun. (laughs) This was the sin of thy sister Sodom. Number one, pride. Okay, now, when you think of Sodom, you think of one thing. You think of sodomy, you think of homosexuality, you think of lesbianism. Of the four, he doesn't mention any of those, actually. But do you find it a coincidence that their rallying cry is pride? This was the sin of thy sister Sodom. Pride, number one. My way, not God's way. That's pride. That's all pride is. My way is over God's way. Number two, fullness of bread. This was the sin You were spoiled. You felt you had need of nothing. And more than anything, you felt you had no need for God. This was the sin of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread. You had everything that you needed. Everything that you wanted. And usually if somebody in this earth is going to get everything that they want, it's because they're standing on the heads of somebody else to get it. They get it through oppression and injustice, which we'll get to in a little bit. Number three, abundance of idleness. You were lazy. You did not work. You had this 
entitlement mentality. You had this victim card that you played all the time. It was made in platinum. And if you could find a way to get it for free, it was for me. And if somebody else had it, it's unfair that they have it, whether they worked for it their entire life or not. It's unfair that they have it and I don't. Is any of this sounding familiar? Because if it sounds familiar, then the message of imminent judgment upon Sodom has got to come to us, too. Number four, neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Now, we like to say, we like to say, nobody does more for the world than the USA. And I would agree. Nobody does more for the world than the USA. Sodom, they said of Sodom, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Well, nobody does more for the world than the USA. Let's go back to number three, number two, number one. Pride. And I appreciate what America does for the world, even at the expense of her own citizens. And, okay, strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Why are we taking care of Ukraine better than our own veterans? It bothers me. It bothers me. We just had the anniversary of 9-11 the other day. Did you see how our country treated the 9-11 first responders? Poorly? Here's, what did we do for them? What did we do for the, people, for the men and women who ran towards what everybody else was running away from? What did we do for their families? It bothers me. What do we do for the unborn? If anybody is poor and needy, what do we do for the unborn? Oh, well, we're helping the refugees. Oh, I know we are. And we're helping the immigrants. I know we are. What are we doing for the 60 million babies that have been slaughtered since Roe vs. Wade? Just in America. Do we see any type of similarities here? Pride? Oh, America, no. Fullness of bread? You've gotten all that you want. I'm sorry, as long as there's a TV show called Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I think we have fullness of bread. Where'd that go? <laughs> fullness of bread. Abundance of idleness. As long as I see 20-year-olds with man buns, I'm going to say we have abundance of idleness. Sitting in Starbucks, telling how they're going to make money because they dropped out of high school and they're going to make the next Facebook. <sighs> they're going to be our politicians pretty soon. <sighs> That's going to be fun. Neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor or needy. That was the sin of thy sister Sodom. If we see any similarities between those four sins, oh, and let's bring in LGBTQ. Plus, by the way, remember that. Let's bring that in. What nation is leading the charge on that right now? America. Now, now listen. I'm not going to get into it. Okay. We, we, bring, we bring those things in, and we see similarities between Sodom and America. That means if God does not judge America, he is going to need to explain to the people of Sodom why we got away with the very same sins that they were burned for. Yes, right. 
Judgment is coming. The only thing that is holding it back is the same thing that held it back in Sodom. Godly people. Godly people. Righteous people. Do you remember the prayer of Abraham? Lord, peradventure there be 50 righteous there. Surely the judge of all the earth will, will not judge the righteous with the wicked. Peradventure there be 50 righteous there. I will not destroy it for 50's sake. 45, I will not destroy it for 45's sake. 40, I will not destroy it for 40's sake. 30, I will not destroy it for 30's sake. Oh, Lord, I have took upon thee to talk, about, talk to you who am but dust and ashes. 20, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. 10, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. You know what that teaches me? That teaches me that even in a nation of wickedness, God is influenced by present righteousness. He's looking for godly people. And if there are godly people, he withholds and he waits. You know why? Because people with present righteousness are like leaven. And just a little bit of the leaven is going to start to grow. It doesn't have to be the majority. It just has to be alive and it just has to eat everything that it's around. And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. Where, When there is a gospel witness, when there is a righteous witness in a workplace, and you're just constantly taking nibbles. God will leave, God will watch that workplace, because he is not only influenced by present righteousness, the Bible also says this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is not only influenced by present righteousness, he is interested in potential righteousness. So that's why he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. That was his influence from the present righteousness, but also, wait a second, if there are 10 in Sodom, Next week, there can be 20. And then the week after that, there can be 40. And the week after that, there can be 80. And the same city that last year I was talking about destroying now can be an absolute lighthouse for righteousness if the people inside who are godly would just share the message. But judgment is coming. Here's the thing. No matter how much present righteousness there is in America, no matter how much potential righteousness. Listen, why hasn't God judged America yet? I believe because there are some people in this nation who are saved. There are some people in this nation who are saved. There, why hasn't God judged America if we were just to take this as a survey? Because some of you in here are righteous in Jesus's, in Jesus's name. Some of you are godly. And not only that, but God looks at some of you and says, some of you could be. So I'm going to be patient because some of you are saved and some of you could be if I'm just a little bit patient with you. God is not slack concerning his promise as some men clown slackness, but he is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But here's the deal. No matter how much present righteousness, no matter how much potential righteousness, it doesn't hold it off for forever. Judgment has to come. Judgment is coming. So with the knowledge of this declared judgment of God on one hand, but then also the knowledge of this divine desire to deliver from that judgment, I have three questions. 
Three questions based from this story in Genesis chapter 19. Now, I've already gotten into it a while, so you don't have to stand. But turn to Genesis chapter 19. I'm going to read a lot, too, so I, I don't want you standing for that long. Abundance of idleness, I tell you. I have to stand the whole time. When, when somebody who has sat for as long as I've preached came, comes up to me after and says, you know, you preached for a long time. Just remember, as long as you were sitting, I was standing and running around and making a fool of myself, okay? So you're talking to the wrong person. You're complaining to the wrong person. Complain to my wife. She's, she takes all my complaints. <laughs> there came two angels to Sodom at even. Okay, Lord, help me not get distracted through this text. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. What's he doing there? Lord, you didn't answer my prayer. Okay, keep moving. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. And ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. He didn't give them a reason why, but no, no, you're not going to stay in the street. You need to come in. Okay, didn't give them a choice. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both, okay, does this bother you? Both old and young, adults and children, are, are in this meeting right here. Old and young, all the people from every quarter, what are the old and young doing there? They say to Lot, and said, they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Adults and children. That's what LGBTQ plus, that's what the plus is. Moving forward. Lot went out to the door um, unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. And then he goes on to describe something so much more wicked. Do not come inside and, and physically mess with these men. Take my two daughters. Now, as a man who has two daughters, what in the world, Brother Mike, yeah. what in the world is this alternative? Don't, don't, not these men. I brought them into my house to protect them, but not my daughters. You can take my daughters. And they said, who was this man? This man who came into sojourn. This is what the, this is what the mob says. This man who com comes into sojourn, he, he thinks he's going to be a judge over us. Therefore, Lot, we're going to do worse to you than we thought to do to the men. They come around the men, the, the two angels from the inside reach out, grab Lot, drag him inside to shut the door, and then they smite the men and the children with blindness, and they went home. No, they wearied themselves to find the door. They had even smitten with blindness. They had one thing on their mind, and they were going to get it. And it leads to a question in verse 12. The men, the angels, said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. 
for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters. You know what I noticed this morning when I was reading that? How merciful is our God to send just enough angels, uh, two angels with four hands to bring out four people. Why the Lord said two? Because he knew he was going to be saving four people. And the angels needed four hands to grab the four people. You know what 2 Peter chapter 2 says, talking about this story? Why didn't the Lord just let Lot burn? What are you doing lingering? What are you doing giving your daughters to these men? Just let Lot burn. The Bible says this, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly and to reserve the ungodly to punishment. No, I am not going to let the righteous burn. I promise that. So he grabs him, pulls him out, and notice what they say in verse 17, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, escape for thy life. Why are people trifling with their souls? Why are people asking questions about eternity, asking questions about, well, is this right? Is this true? Is, I just have one message. Escape for thy life. You're drowning in a sea, and I'm throwing you a life raft, and I'm throwing you a, a, what, a life ring. What are those things called? No, that's what you put in your mouth. What, what are the, I, I'm, I'm, throwing you a, I'm throwing you floaties, okay? I'm throwing you floaties. And you're asking, you're asking about the, you know, the manufacturer of the floaties. And, and do I put them on this way? Do I put, bro, you're drowning. Just put them on. Just put them on. Stop asking questions. Why don't you get on the shore and then you can ask those questions? And so many people, they come, well, is this the Baptist way? Is this this way? I'm just telling you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you're asking a bunch of questions when I'm just saying, escape for thy life. Not time to ask questions. It's just time to trust. Time to obey. Question number one. To those who have escaped the wrath to come, To those of you who do good deeds, to those of you who have been baptized, to those of you who are members of Heritage Baptist Church, to those of you who are born again, to those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you stand before God someday, friend, he is not going to ask you, what church did you go to? Who was your pastor? How much money did you give to missions? He's going to say, what did you do with my son? Did you trust in my son who I sent to die for you? Did you trust him or did you reject him? Did you add to him? Did you take away from him? Or did you just accept him for who he was? has nothing to do with being a Baptist. has everything to do with being born again 
to those of you who are born again, question number one, those of you who have escaped the wrath to come, because judgment is imminent, but it's not inescapable. It's imminent, but it's not inescapable. There is a way to escape the wrath to come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what, do you think? Saved from hell, saved from your sin, and saved, therefore, from the punishment, from your sin. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Joel chapter 2, shall be delivered, shall be saved. For those of you who are saved, question number one, hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law? Sons? Daughters? Whatsoever thou hast here in this city? Hast thou here any besides? I'm glad you've escaped. Who else do you know? What about your spouse? What about your neighbor? What about your boss? What about your employee? What about your cousin? What about your aunt and your uncle? What about, even the weird uncle and the annoying aunt? What, what about them? What about your coworker? What about your classmate? Hast thou here any besides? Anybody that you love? Anybody that you care for, even remotely? Do you have somebody beside you here? And I, my question is, do you know that they believe in Jesus? Do you know that they are born again? Do you know that they are saved? Do you know that they are going to escape the wrath that you have escaped? How dare you, who has a cure for cancer, not give it to somebody else who has cancer? We're starting to find out that there was, there was some remedy for COVID-19. How dare anybody who had the, who had the remedy for things that people close to me died of, but they kept it for political or financial purposes? We would say, how dare, if that's true, how dare you do that? And yet you have the answer to eternal life, and you're not thinking if you have anybody here besides? When is the last time you talked to them about Jesus? If I were to ask you right now, do you know of anybody that in your mind, you do not believe they are going to heaven when they die? I believe every single person would raise their hand in here. Some of you would have to raise your hand and say, yeah, I know a person, me. We'll get to that. But you who are saved, when is the last time you talked to your sister about Jesus? Your sister. Are you afraid? Are you afraid of making it awkward? Are you afraid of their anger? Are you afraid of, of being the weirdo more than you are afraid of hearing them scream your name as they are bound and thrown into hell? Are you more willing to obey their command I told you never to bring this up again. You leave me alone. Are you, more, are you more willing, Brother John, to obey the command of a lost person than the command of your heavenly father that says, pull 
them out of the fire. Pull them out. Compel them to come in. If you truly believed that judgment was coming, if you saw a truck barreling down the road at somebody that you loved, and they're a mile down the road, it might start with, hey, you should get out of the road. As that truck comes closer, hey, hey, get, get out. Get out of the road. There's a truck coming, and you are standing right in its way. Get out of the road. Get out. Get. And then the time is going to come where you tackle that person. Am I right? If you truly care about them, or are you just going to, well, I did my duty. Why? Because you warned them a mile ago? I would say the closer the judgment gets, the more and more intense. And when is the last time you begged God to save them? When is the last time you cried before them and you said, please, please listen to me. You might hate me, but please listen to me. I'm not some crazy religious freak. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not looking for you to, to dress like a nun. I'm not looking for you to come to church. I'm looking for you to be in heaven with me. Would you please listen to me? When's the last time you did that? To your sister. To your brother. To people that you say, I love you. You might be looking at me thinking this kid's crazy. My friend, I don't know who you are, but I love you. And I have been given the responsibility to share what somebody loved me enough to share with me. Somebody, when they read this, hast thou here any besides, somebody thought Johnny Che. I've got to talk to Johnny Che. And I am so glad that they did. For, for me, it was my youth pastor. When is the last time you did everything that you could? If judgment came today, how many people in your family would burn? It's quiet. How, if judgment came today, how many people in your neighborhood would burn? How many people at your workplace would burn? How many people in your circle of influence would burn? How many people that they call you a friend would burn if judgment came today? You have to do something about it. More than just pray. More than just put on the Christian uniform. You need to confront. Now, I'm not saying you go in on work time and say, Thou shalt listen to mine voice. But you need to do something about it. At the very least, pray. At the very most, cry and beg and plead. When's the last time you fasted? American. You've got enough stored in your hump. You can save a couple meals. I promise you, you'll be fine. Your, your body is a spoiled brat. You know, we go to HEB and we see the little kid, I want Snickers! And we think, oh, never my child, never my child. Your body does the same thing to you. You say, we're going to fast about this. I'm going to fast about this person because I care about this person. I want them to, and what does your body do? I want Snickers! Okay, fine, it's satisfied. Yep. Tell your body, shut up. 
You are far less important than a soul. When's the last time you fasted over that person that you say that you care about? I have to move on. Number two, question number two, are you the one besides? Someone's been praying for you. You came to church today and you did not know why. I'll tell you why. Someone's been praying for you. There is a man sitting in here. He knows who he is. Sir, I prayed for you for five years to come to church and be saved. For five years I prayed for you. Last week he got saved. But are you the one besides? Is somebody praying for you? If judgment came today, would you be saved or would you be condemned? And if your answer is nobody has ever told me that judgment is coming, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And you're standing right in the middle of the road. The the Bible says this, he that believeth not is already condemned. You are in the middle of the road. I don't care how religious you are. You know how many churches are built in the middle of the road? Maybe you say, I'm not a very religious person. Welcome to the club. I'm not talking about religion. Never come to my church again, but trust Christ. For goodness sake, trust Christ. That's the most important thing. Oh, this guy's just looking to make Baptists. No, I'm hoping to make Christians. I'm a good person. You know what God says? There is none good. Did you know the Bible says that? There is none good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know how many people miss heaven by 18 inches? Because you know about everything in here, but you don't know about it in here. You know how many people go to hell with their hand on the doorknob of heaven? Because you know all the answers, but you don't know the questions. Are you the one besides? Someone's been praying for you. Do you know 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Do you know that if you were to die today, your last breath on earth would be your first breath in heaven? Do you know that? Is my question to you. Do you know it 100% sure? Oh, I know Jesus. I'm not asking you that. The devil knows Jesus. Jesus says this. One day some people are going to stand in front of me and call me, Lord, Lord. They're going to call me by name. And tell me how they knew me. And I'm going to look back and say, I never knew you. I'm not asking, do you know Jesus? Does he know you? I know the president. He has no clue who I am. So if I'm going to go to jail one day, I know the president. They're going to say, yeah, we hope you do. He's kind of important. We'll call the president. Tell him I know him. And they're going to call him and say, President Biden. There's this guy who's been sentenced to death, and he says he knows you. He'll look at Kamala and say, do I know him? (laughs) 
No, you know what the president is going to say? I've got no clue who that guy is. No clue. A, a, acquittal denied. So you're going to get to heaven. I know Jesus. I know him. I lived in Corpus Christi. Never acted like it, but I know Jesus. You tell him. And he's going to say, I've got no clue who you are. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Are you the one besides? I hope this works. What do you do for a living? Oil field. You work in the oil field. What are your plans after you're done with that? Retirement? Yeah. Retirement. Then what? To die. Yeah. <laughs> Work, retire, die. Hope his wife knows that. <laughs> okay? No, you miss something between die and heaven. After you die, then what? Get judged. Mm. What do you do for a living? Valet. After that, then what? Say get married. <laughs> okay, then you get married. Then, then, then what? Better job? Better job. Then what? Have kids. Then what? Retire. Then what? Die. Then what? Get judged. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Hast thou here any besides? Because they're going to face the same thing. Only difference is you're thinking about it and they're not. You answer, you answer the question in your mind. What do you do for a living? Well, I do blah, 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 blah. After you do, after you do that, then what? Well, make a lot of money. Then what? Retire. Then what? Have fun. Then what? Get old. Then what? Get sick. Then what? Die. Then what? Because death is not the end. Death is the beginning. Right. All your life is is a choice of eternities. So I have a question for you who have escaped. Hast thou here any besides? Question number two, have you escaped? Or are you the one besides? Or are you, gonna have, are you going to, on judgment day, stand and hear every single one of your sins read out? Every single one, when one of them would be enough to condemn you. But you are going to hear every single one. And there's eternity there. They'll, you'll scream and say, enough, I, I've, I've got it. En enough, enough. Nope, we're only at year four. You lived 86 years. We're going through this. Day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment. This is when you said it. This is when you did it. This is when you went there. This is when you posted it. This is when you thought it. This is when you hoped it. This is when you wished it. This is when you didn't do it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Nope. Nope. Every single one. You know, the Bible says there's a book of remembrance. And he's going to go through every single one of your sins while they are binding you in eternal chains. And you are going to scream names. You're going to scream names, hopefully not of a church member in this room that should have told you. Steve, why didn't you tell me? 
and you're gonna look around, but guess what? You might scream my name, but when you scream my name, I'm gonna say, I told you. Now church, that's where it's important. And this is what leads to my last question. Did Lot not try? Did Lot not try in verse 14 to tell them? Did he not try to bring them out? So, so you say, I have escaped from judgment. What am I supposed to do about my sister? What am I supposed to do about my brother? What am I supposed to do about all those people? Bring them out of this place. Isn't that what the angel said? Hast thou here any besides? Bring them out. For we will destroy this place. Escape for your life and tell everybody that you can to escape for your life. That's your job. That's your job. That's your job. That's your job. So then... Lot tries, and it was a joke. He goes up to his sons-in-law and his own daughters, and he says, you need to come out of this place because God is going to judge it, and he seems as one that mocked. <laughs> yeah, says the guy who, right? Lot, the one who lives here, the one who has a political position in the city gate. You've never said anything about this place before. And now suddenly we need to get out of it and we just need to trust your word? Says the guy who in the next chapter is going to show you have no problem with getting wasted. Says the guy who just gave up two of his daughters to be ravaged. You're telling us that judgment is coming upon our sin? I think you're in line first, bucko. Get out of my face. So church, here's what it comes down to. My last question, how's your testimony? Because why in the world would anybody listen to Lot's message when his testimony was the complete opposite? Do you know why I dress the way that I dress? Do you know why I speak the way that I speak? Do you know why I run the way that I run? Do you know why I hop the way that I hop? Do you know why I scream the way that I scream and preach the way that I preach? And do you know why I have my wife dress a certain way? And do you know why I have my kids dress a certain way? And do you know why we don't watch certain things? And we don't say certain things? And we don't listen to certain things? So that when people who do not believe hear my message, they may never believe what I believe, but they will believe that I believe it. Your family may never believe what you believe, sir, but they had better believe you believe it. Your family, may, your neighbor may never believe what you believe, ma'am, but she had better believe you believe it. Or it's just going to be a big joke. Do they know that you are a Christian by the way that you talk? And it's not just things that you refuse to say, it's things that you talk about. Do you know why people know that I am a Chicago Blackhawks fan? It's not because I don't talk about any of the other NHL teams. It's because I only talk about one. Do you know why people know I'm a Christian? It's not because I don't talk about Buddha. It's because I choose to speak about Jesus Christ. And I choose to steer the conversation that way. And if someone's going to be dumb enough to, in front of a preacher to say, oh, Jesus, I'm going to say, yeah, he's here. They are going to know, wait, something's off about this kid. Something's off about me. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm called to be peculiar, you know. 
Do they know that you are a Christian by the way that you dress, by the things that you watch, by the things that you listen to? Or are you watching the same junk they are? So the day comes when you hear a message like this and you realize, I am a Christian and I do have a responsibility to tell other people. So I'm going to go to my coworker tomorrow and say, hey. And they're going to say, yeah, says the guy who we just watched that horror movie with last week. And before you ever are able to get them to listen, you have to apologize for ruining your testimony. Church, it is a lot easier to guard your testimony than it is to get it back. I'm done. Question number one. Hast thou here any besides? Hey, I close my Bible. You don't close yours. Hast thou here any besides? Determine to bring them out. Okay? Determine to bring them out. If they are going to scream your name at the judgment, it will not be because you did not tell them. And it will not be because you did not tell them often. And it certainly won't be because when the truck got closer, you didn't run and try to tackle them. Because if you don't, they're not going to think it means very much to you. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the guy who comes up and tries to sell me solar panels. Everybody in your neighborhood is switching to solar power. Would you like to switch to solar power? And I say, well, I don't know. How do you like your solar panels? Uh, well, get out of my face. Come back to me when you have solar panels. <laughs> Determine to bring them out. And if you're going to bring them out, you better buy what you're selling. And then number two, if you are the one besides, you're going to leave here with Jesus or without excuse. Find escape. It's imminent, but it's not inescapable. Find escape in joining the church. If you think, yes, I did not do my job today, find escape in being baptized. Find escape in confessing your sins to another sinner. I will have a little, I'll have a little net set up in the back, and you can come and tell me all the things that you've done wrong this past week. Now, I won't tell you any of mine. Because I'm a priest. No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a biblical priest. I'm not a Catholic one. Find escape in Jesus Christ. Find escape in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm rich. He doesn't care. I'm educated. Then this should make sense to you. Find escape in Jesus Christ. And you know what? You say, well, I would be saved if Lot wasn't such a hypocrite. Here's all I can tell you. I'm sorry about Lot. But Lot isn't worth burning for. Am I right? Hast thou here any besides? How's your testimony? Are you the one besides? Determined to bring them out. Clean it up.
get it right. Make apologies. Find escape today in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.